So what is the future for shortwave radio and even podcasting? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Today I've got a handful of stories in front of me, but I have some important thoughts on my mind. A lot of things are happening in the podcast and even in the shortwave radio world. Many don't really understand a lot of it. Many of your listeners, they may not understand the business side, which we always have to put into play. Shortwave radio time is not inexpensive. These stations are incredibly expensive to operate. The power bills are huge. Transmitter maintenance costs are out of sight. Trying to replace one is virtually impossible at today's economic prices. Stations just can't run out and buy a new transmitter. And they don't make more efficient solid state in the power levels we need. And if any company makes one, they are prohibitively expensive except for maybe a big government like China or the United States or Saudi Arabia. This radio program airs several times a day on a shortwave radio station based out of the United States on different frequencies and in different directions. It can be heard in Europe, Canada, United States, occasionally Australia, out through Hawaii and other parts of the Pacific. On the weekends, this program is aired on a station in Zambia in Eastern Africa and can be heard over a significant portion of that continent. But things are changing in the background. A lot of of ministries have moved themselves to the internet-only world. The other day, I ran across a Christian radio program I used to hear on the radio maybe a couple of dozen years ago. And I never heard it on radio again. They now are literally internet only. And it was only by accident in looking for somebody else that I came across their website. And realized a once very popular radio program is not even on radio. It is strictly through an app on your phone or online or the internet or maybe even one of those smart speakers. I know of a number of ministries that are moving more and more into the internet-only mode. Oh, they may have been on radio once before. They may even return briefly trying to get more people to go to their internet site. As people fade away and disappear, you have to understand there are so many programs and so many podcasts out there today that only the extremely well-financed ones ever rise to the top, you know, 20 or 30 percent of podcasts. 99% of all the rest are lucky to fill out the bottom, you know, 50%. In other words, you may have a few hundred well-known podcasts here in the United States in particular. I can think of like Dan Bongino comes to mind. Now, in what I'm saying, don't take me wrong. I'm not criticizing any of these individuals. Trust me. That's not my point. 
You've got Joe Rogan, who's considered one of the most popular and makes millions of dollars doing his podcast on Spotify. And Spotify promotes him, pushes him to the top. They sell advertising. So the program is making millions of dollars. It is, it's really there for one reason in terms of what, you know, companies like Spotify and others would want. It is a moneymaker. They can generate lots of revenue. Then you get a bunch of these Christian programs. They've come together on their own app. And I'm not, once again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying not everybody is there. Just like not any, not that many are really on short wave in comparison to the rest of the population. That I also understand. But I recognize something. And I want to make this clear. While not everybody has a shortwave radio, and while many that have those radios are hobbyists, and they really, they, they despise programs like this one or anything with a moral, conservative, or Christian overtone, and honestly, because I've been on a number of what they call Facebook groups that listen to shortwave, there are a number of people that act, they really despise and hate any kind of Christian or conservative program. They think every anybody that believes is a nut job or anybody that's conservative is a wacko that needs to be suppressed and silenced and canceled. And all they want these radio stations to do is play oldies music or something else to entertain them. And when you ask the question, who's supposed to pay for it, they're clueless because they have no understanding of what it takes to run one of these radio stations. One guy says, well, what we need to do is just run a bunch of commercials. Well, you can't do that on a United States shortwave radio station because you have to have an international purpose, not just a domestic one. We may talk about issues here in the United States, and I'm glad people in the United States hear the program, but these issues are relevant in Canada. They're relevant in Australia. They're relevant in the United Kingdom. They're relevant worldwide, and that's why we do the program on Worldwide Shortwave. Things happening in Germany, in France, Italy, they have an impact on the United States, whether we want to believe it or not. The Western world is intertwined. Concepts and ideas that are running around rampant here in the United States, they have their, well, their genesis in other parts of the world or the World Economic Forum or the World Health Organization or the United Nations. Take your choice. The, the, these ideas we're dealing with in the United States are not new. What we're seeing now, and it's almost cartoonish to me, people in government, they, they they are so believing in their ideology that they have now co-opted science to be subjected to political science, not real science. Thus, suddenly we don't want to have gas stoves. We can't have gas-powered cars. I mean, they went as far about a week or so ago to say, you know, maybe you're only allowed to have two beers a week if you happen to like beer. I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying they want to control every aspect of your life. They want you locked down again. 
If you don't believe it, they really do. They miss locking you in your home. They miss the destruction they caused. They miss the damage they did to your children. They missed how they destroyed small business and personal freedom. They're proud of it. And they want to do it again. Here in the United States, for example, you know, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg appointed an Obama-era group made up of nothing but so-called leading experts. 24 people that talk about transportation equality or equity. Now, I want you to listen to what these brilliant scholars have to say. They, They believe that owning an automobile, particularly a gasoline automobile, is systematic racism. And thus, I'm kidding you, this is not made up. This is for real. Listen to me. That the privilege, it's not a privilege, it's a right to own a car. Come on. You don't give me the right to buy something, a commodity. You don't give me the right to buy groceries. You don't give me the right to put a roof over my head. You don't give me a right to buy a horse or or to own a car. That's not, that's not a right for you to give, and it's not a privilege either. Government is here to serve the people. The people are not here to serve the bozos running our governments worldwide. These are some of the sickest, most evil individuals on the planet. And so, Pete Buttigieg, one of the most immoral, disgusting creatures in the Biden administration, gay as gay can be, married to a man, adopted a child. That's child abuse. This is sick. This is ungodly. But he's a good Episcopalian, you know. He goes to the Episcopal Church, a damnable church full of heresy these days. Sorry, it is. And if you're in it, get out of it. The leadership of your church is Antichrist. I'll say it again. The leadership of the Episcopal Church in the United States, the Anglican Church, as known in England and Canada, is satanic to the core. They have spit in the face of Jesus Christ. They are not saved. They are not going to be enjoying an eternity in heaven with all their friends. It's not going to happen. They are an abomination unto God, and they will be judged accordingly. And Buttigieg is one of them. And so these clowns talking about equity in transportation. These are spatial policy scholars, whatever that term means. And this Andrea Marpillero Colombia, I believe that's her name, says all cars are bad and we need to get rid of all cars. Everybody must live in a city where they can walk to get the things they need. Only government people need powered transportation. Do you see the evil that's out there? She's not advocating for complete erasure. No, just pretty much complete erasure, except for a handful of private vehicles in the right hands. Cars are a problem. They divide communities. Only privileged white people own them. I don't think so. This is the kind of insanity that this administration, that this administration is promoting. I want you to remember, early on in the administration of the clown that occupies the White House, and I'm sorry if you're offended by that, but, but 
tell me what good he's really done. They give me all this, he did this and that, but he didn't do any of what you say he did. Biden gave an executive order that required federal agencies to pursue a comprehensive approach to advancing equity for all. But they don't define what that really is. And then they use climate change to reduce commuting miles. They want to have people get used to working from home or just being dependent on basic income from the government and just sitting around in your fanny doing nothing. All this is a part of the so-called Green New Deal. I call it the Green New Steel. Yeah, gas stoves and on and on it goes. And and they do it on this climate change. And someone's going to say, well, Bob, climate change is real. It's real. It is. It's changing. The hurricanes are getting stronger. I, I can see it. You don't even know what you're talking about. We haven't come anywhere near the hurricanes of the 1930s, almost 100 years ago. And we don't know that much about, well, we do know some, but we know there were some massive ones in the 17 and 1800s as well. So don't give me this garbage that they're getting more intense every... Yeah, we have them every year. But Bob, what, what, the earth is getting warmer. It's going to burn. It's going to catch fire. Look at the fires. You know, it's funny. Greece, they said the fires there were climate change, Canada climate change. And I'm finding stories at the local level in all those places Arsonists are the blame, not climate change. People that set the fire are the ones to blame. And I'm also deeply concerned about the fire in Maui. There's a lot of misinformation coming from the greatest purveyor of misinformation, government. Things that are coming out of there that absolutely make no sense. What the emergency management people did in Hawaii is horrific. It is unbelievably insane. I worked in emergency management. I know what it means to fire off warning sirens. We had them in in a little town in South Carolina. We would fire them for tornadoes or all kind of stuff. Believe me, if, if the downtown area was on fire, those sirens would be on But no, and why were kids sent home for a fire? Wouldn't it be safer to keep the kids safe and keep the school grounds wet and stop the fire from getting to the school? A lot of things were done in that fire that make no sense. And a lot of lies are being perpetrated. Now, in the... Let me just, in the weeks ahead, I'm going to be sharing some information about climate change and how much of a fraud it is. And and you can disagree with me. You are welcome to do it. You can bring all the evidence to the table you want. You can email me and I will talk to you back. And I will tell you and show you scientifically, not emotionally. There are many natural factors at play that cause warming. The Little Ice Age ended back around 1850, so of course things will be getting warmer. Not that they really have steadily. The old hockey stick graph was proven to be a fraud ages ago. That's why they don't use it anymore. And so having these periods of warming and cooling are not to be unexpected. 
the warming we're experiencing is vastly less than we were told it would be. In some years, it goes backward. These climate change policies emanating out of government are coming from failed and inadequate models. We have nothing but predictions of doom and gloom, none of which have ever come true, that should have come true by now. They just don't happen. This war against CO2. I was amazed one day. I'm watching a bunch of these so-called experts being questioned by a congressman who asked a simple question. To all of these people advocating we must reduce CO2 or we're all going to die. You know, you know the, the type. They get there. They're in front of the Congress and they're smug and they're ready to tell us that we're all going to die and the earth's going to catch fire if we don't get rid of CO2 immediately. And so this congressman wisely asked the question. What percentage of the atmosphere is CO2? And you can guess. You don't even have to be super close. Just what do you think it is? Over 10%, under 10%, 5 He kind of threw some numbers out there to these so-called experts. And the numbers ranged from 8%, 9%, 4%. 4%, I think, was the lowest that was predicted. And some were even over 10, if I'm not mistaken, when I, I, I watched the video several months ago. And he pointed out, he said, you're all wrong. CO2 represents between three and four one hundredths of one percent. Now, if you didn't catch that the first time, let me say it again. CO2 represents between three and four one-hundredths of one percent. It's a tiny amount. We also know that anytime CO2 should fall below three one-hundredths of one percent in the atmosphere, plant life will be in danger and plants won't grow, crops won't grow, trees will go dead. If anything... When the CO2 is running about four one-hundredths or slightly better of one of one percent, crops do great. Plants grow beautifully, stronger, and their waste product is oxygen that you and I breathe. And so what what do these clowns want to do? Hey, let's burn down some forest and bury well, let's just bury the forest. We don't I mean we don't want all what are they talking about? This is satanically inspired self-destruct. You lower the carbon dioxide much more in this world, you're going to see a lot of crops just not doing well. But I think that's really the plan. Global warming has not increased natural disasters or hurricanes. We were told it would in 2005. That was a lie. Went for like 10, 12 years. Had very little. This year... It's kind of moderate, all things considered. It's now political science, not real science, that's involved with all of this. And so I'm going to be sharing some information about those scientists and those that agree that this is ridiculous, what we have done. I have a document in front of me, and we're talking well over a thousand some odd 1600 really reputable scientists 1609 
individuals that signed a document pointing out all of the insanity of what this World Economic Forum ultra-leftist government propaganda of climate emergency and climate change. We are not in a climate emergency. We are not in anything like it. If you believe that, you're a fool. And I don't want to be mean and, and condescending to you when I say that, but it's absolutely true. You can fraudulently create evidence. You know, Al Gore did that in a movie called Inconvenient Truth. Well, the thing is, it was an inconvenient lie. After lie, after lie. It's Most of that movie, they don't talk much about it anymore because everything that was supposed to go bad didn't. And much of what was said was never true. So they come after your gas stove. They want more lockdowns. I mean, that's what they're heading for. Some people think they're coming a little later this month here in the United States. We'll see. The COVID variants, we've talked about it. And they they try to talk about infections. Well, let me make something really clear, especially to those living overseas. The infection numbers don't mean much of anything. And here's why. By the way, in much of the continent of Africa, they didn't have much of a problem with COVID-19. The reason being, they were using things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin on a regular basis. Thus, they didn't have the issues Europe, the United States, and much of the rest of the Western world did. They were doing the things that these idiotic governments said you couldn't do. And remember, when I worked in emergency management, I found paperwork going back to 2005 that talked about hydroxychloroquine being the preferred way to treat any kind of a COVID or COV SARS illness. And then they suddenly turned their back on it. What's wrong with that? We do know one thing. Over these three years, this virus has morphed backward. In other words, in a sense, you know, that it becomes more contagious, but it is far less deadly or even very little, very few symptoms, maybe less than a common cold. That's what viruses do over time. And the vaccine has done only one thing, to force more mutations quicker. We would be already done with this, but we've extended it with these fraudulent vaccines and improper treatments. Saw a great court case coming in the United States where the FDA may find themselves in a bit of hot water for making some claims they should not have made against ivermectin and other treatments. They've been sued by doctors. Time will tell. So I'm not going to get into this paganism of loving these COVID variants. I'm not going to do it. Anybody that's ever studied mythology, there was a goddess called Eris. And you see it in the legend of Sinbad. And she was depicted as beautiful but wicked and caused chaos around the globe. And so we have named this one variant that now they're thinking there'll be another one. They have a new name for it. It's kind of hard to, to keep up with this. But this is what we're dealing with. If they can control you and keep you in fear, if they can get you to wear face diapering again, they're going to do it. If they can make you believe that you're making the cat, the world catch on fire, they're going to do it. They're going to talk about COVID cases rising, rising, cases rising, rising. Yet we're nowhere near what was happening in the early days of the virus in 2020 in terms of people dying. 
and I still say, and I will hold to this, that what was being done and done in 2021 in treatment, I think that's what killed people, not the virus. It's another story we'll get into one day next week. So shortwave radio. There's some programs leaving, some that might come on board. I've been praying for opportunity, but it takes the finances to do it. I would like to be on more stations and more frequencies. And I have nothing to sell. I, I, I have no book or DVD. I, I don't have prepper supplies. I don't have any of that. All I have for you is I give you my time and I ask you to share with me the cost of the airtime because these shortwave radio stations cannot do this for free. I know what it takes to run one. I understand the cost. And that's why we come to you. I enjoy doing this program as a podcast. And the audience has grown over the three years. But I also know that the plug for a podcast can be pulled rather quickly by a tech tyrant corporation. Any of the platforms like iTunes, they recently have suspended or gotten rid of a lot of programs. Same Spotify could do it to me. You name it. So I can't depend on being just online. And I also have seen how God has worked in the hearts of people to lead them to get their first shortwave radio. Now, maybe I'll put a page up on my website to give you some ideas where to get one. I'm not going to make anything out of it, but I'll give you suggestions on radios that people have shared with me that work. But in the meantime, between now and then, I really want to expand this radio program and we're sitting on a great opportunity, but it's going to take your prayers and your support. You can go to our website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. At the website, you can find the support tab and you can use Give, Send, Go, which is a Christian organization. It's not PayPal, it's not Stripe. It is a Christian organization that has been wonderful. Or you can simply mail a check or money order made payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, P.O. Box 510. Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The beautiful apocalypse coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy. You're a Jewish connection. Bring you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a very special free gift. Now when you hear the word apocalyptic, what do you think of? Apocalypse, apocalypse now. Most people think of scary things in the end of the world and calamity and doom. Well, if you're not on God's side, that's, that's correct. The future for you is ultimately apocalyptic in that sense. But if you're with God, you're born again in his will. And in, in living for him, it's a whole different issue. See, in the Hebrew marriage, marriage was consummated during the marriage supper. The bride and groom would slip away to the marriage chamber. The bride would remove her veil. And the word for veil in Greek is kalupsis. And the word to remove is apo. Put it together, you get apokalupsis or apocalypse. So we read of the apocalypse, about the end time, and people speak about it all being fearful. But for us, the bride, the apocalypse is very different. It's the consummation when the bride removes her veil and 
and the two become one. See, for us, the future for you and the Lord is not to be feared, but to be looked forward to. It's apocalyptic good. That means we're going to be meeting him, removing our veil. It's the day we're going to be shining as a bride. It's the day we're going to see him face to face. See, there's only two kinds of people. Those heading to the apocalypse of Armageddon and judgment and those heading to the apocalypse of removing the veil and to the wedding celebration. So we are people heading for a wedding. So we got to be looking at the future with joy, with hope, with expectation, preparing yourself to become beautiful. As it is written, we with unveiled face beholding him. Does it sound good? Yeah, it's apocalyptically good. So rejoice over what's to come and live your life with hope and and expectation for the apocalypse of the bride and the bridegroom. Want more? Ask for Entering the Bridegroom's House on CD. Now the free gift for you, the incredible, awesome Mystery of the Temple doors on CD, including the hidden writings of the rabbis that reveal the signs that took place when Messiah died. Amazing. And sapphires to bless you in your life, to give you power. Free gift subscription. How do you get it? All these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real name, Yeshua, and you dial it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed to receive your free gifts, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. My friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. I invite you to join me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of the world in the most amazing way you can ever spread the gospel through Shoei Radio. It's amazing. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy at Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Adon Olam, the Lord of all. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, we talk quite a bit in the first segment about radio shortwave and podcasting. And I am committed primarily, number one, to being on shortwave radio. I would love to be on domestic radio, but the cost of doing that is absolutely not within the budget. I know there are a lot of people that could be reached, but I'm not certain if it would it would take care of its needs to support the cost. Over the past two, three years, I've talked to several Christian stations and Christian networks and brokers that for Christian airtime, and I know what they want, and I know what this radio program can produce. It was a time I came close to doing it, but realizing what I know now, economically speaking, many of you are simply not able to do it. Times are not easy. The economy's not great. And so for many of you to support a radio program like this has become sacrificial if you're able to do it at all. Yet I'm looking at shortwave airtime. I have some options. Some are rather expensive. Some might be doable. Might be a weekend version available at a station or two as well. I'm praying about it. 
I'm also praying about bringing one or two other people into this ministry, even on a very part-time basis, to help me and even Jim Calhoun so we can give you even a better product each and every day. More research, more information. I'd rather spend more of my time looking at the world and then giving you the biblical perspective. Let others do the news portion of it. They can do even a better job than I can. And so there are two people that I'm actually a third probably haven't heard back. I'm talking to people. How we will pull this off, I don't know. And how we get additional airtime. I know that here in the United States, some airtime is opened on a station because a well-known host has vanished off shortwave. But that airtime is beyond our ability right now here. But there are other options that are equally as good. I'll share those maybe next week. Podcasting, as long as the door's open, I'll keep putting the program there and even trying to find other outlets. If I'm on many outlets, it makes being a target less likely. So keep that in prayer as well. And as far as the way I do the weekend program now, we've been doing a lot of using messages from the church, and I'll do that again today and maybe for the near future. But I'm thinking about putting together a special weekend edition of the program once I get some help to do more of the sharing of the gospel than I do on this particular program. I'd like to I'd like to have a program specifically for teaching and sharing God's word and then the other programs used for news from a Christian point of view. But I can't do it by myself. Have a friend who's on the highway a lot and he's going to be helping with even doing some video. And I appreciate the efforts. There's a lot of good things coming. But we need your support. I'll give you the address again before the end of the program. But please pray about it. Now, I do want to take you back to this past Sunday. I preached a message at Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, the church where I am pastor. And this is about our work and our labor. Not just the work that we do in our secular jobs, but also the work we should be doing for the cause of Christ. Welcome inside the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we get to gather for a few minutes around your word. And I pray, Lord, this day that you'll open our ears to hear our hearts, our hearts to receive what you have for us and our eyes to see all that you have given us. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, I went to pick up a little bit of paint at the local Sherwin-Williams store. I'll be honest, I like their paint. It lasts a long time. I hate to do a job twice. And as I walked in the door of the store, there was right there, open Labor Day. From 7 till 4, whatever the hours were. Now, I've gotten to know the guy that runs the store. Really nice guy up in Marion. And I said, you have to work on Labor Day? Oh yeah, nowadays the painters have their crews work on Labor Day, so they have to pick up paint. And I'm thinking, back when I was, to show how much things have changed in a few years... 50. 
I can remember, you didn't go to the grocery store on Labor Day. You didn't go to a Kmart of Labor Day. None of that stuff. It was all closed. Everybody took Labor Day off, except maybe the urgent places like a gas station or a convenience store, a hospital emergency room. Outside of that, what did you find open on Labor Day? Nothing. Nothing much at all. People were at home. Now, I know for me, by the time I started working and I was in the radio business at a young age, oh, yeah, I got to work on Labor Day. The radio station had to run, and there was no such thing as automated equipment. You were there with your stack of 45 RPM records, a microphone, three turntables and tape machines, and you did your thing for the next... And because I'm the new part-time guy, instead of a four-hour shift, those were like the six- and seven- and eight-hour shifts because the full-time guys with seniority got the day off. I didn't. So I got to come in at 6 a.m. and work till 2 p.m. The world has changed. Today, it's all about the commerce. It's all about the income. It's all about the sales. You see the stores today. Hey, Labor Day sale. Come down to Lowe's on Labor Day and watch our people labor. Same is true with a lot of places. Labor's become a commodity. It's not an honorable profession. It's just commodity. Your time for a paycheck. And I can remember one day my grandmother had mailed me, this is years ago, a book. And I didn't understand why she mailed it to me. The book's title was, What is Your Golden Parachute? Ever heard of it? I never heard of it until it arrived in the mail one day. My grandmother had always believed, like my parents, that, you know, people, you got out of school, and depending upon your chosen trade, you either went to work, a trade school, a college, a university, whatever, whatever your calling in life was, and you may need more education for that calling. Then you went and got a job, and for the next 30, 40, 45 years, you worked for the same company until the day the day you got your golden watch and your pension. There was an honor between employer back when I was a kid and employee. Where you weren't just a commodity, you were part of a brand or a family or an institution. And over the years... And I can remember in the early days of my even radio career, there was more of a familiar attitude among the staff. We had barbecues together, did picnics, we did Christmas parties, we did all kind of things. I guess I am spoiled and blessed because in my working career, went to work for a large corporation that still honored and cared for their employees, paid them well, treated them well, gave them decent benefits, and they hired the best, and they paid like they knew they were hiring the best. You don't see that as much. Now it's by necessity to keep people, not to, not to reward people. 
My wife made the statement this morning. We stop, hate to admit it, at, at the drive through window to get something to eat. I have to be careful about making sure I maintain a certain eating schedule. And someone had remarked, why are fast food prices so high? It's the labor cost. 1972, I think McDonald's paid in wherever you found one, probably a buck sixty-five an hour or less, depending upon where you lived. And if you were if you were eighteen or if you were a high school student, there was some variation state by state. Now they want to pay twelve, fifteen. Some places they want to be up twenty dollars an hour. And you wonder why the Big Mac is five and six dollars instead of. 69 cents. Now you know why. There's a case where people don't want to work and in order to keep them, they just got to keep raising the money or people just walk out and quit. They have no allegiance to what they do. I never felt that way. I don't. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's because of the time that I came up in. I see people today, their attitude is, oh, if I don't like it, I just walk out. Well, doesn't that hurt your resume? No. Because they're so desperate for find people to do certain things. If I need a job, I'll just go do this. But mo- a lot of people won't do certain things anymore. Beneath them. They'd rather stay home. Rather find an income from other people. Why work? There's an old hymn. And some of you may have heard it. Some of you may not. Called Come Labor On. Who dares stand idle while the, while the fields are white? And even Christians, we've gotten to the point that I don't think we even, we've lost the idea of a work ethic in our society. I, I, I don't understand. Not everybody. But I'm saying as a society, work is not as revered as it once was. Occupations, careers. St. Paul does a wonderful job when he talks about how we function as a church, but it also really explains how we function as a society. The two are pretty much intertwined. The body has many parts. You have eyes, you have ears, you have everything going on. And, And really, no one part of the body is vastly more important than the other. You know, if your brain's not there, it doesn't matter if you've got a great heart. They're all intertwined because each part serves a purpose. And that's the same within our work life, our church life, our family life. All of our life is based upon the positions and the obligations and the work given to us. And, you know, Jesus said to his disciples when they said, Master, have you had anything to eat? Oh, I have food you have no idea about. What's that? The work I do for my father. This is what I'm about. I'm here to do a work. Work needs to be more honored than it is. Effort. I can remember, now I'm really showing my age. One of my first jobs before I lucked out and got into being a disc jockey, 
I worked at a big and department store. You've probably never heard of them before. It was a company based out of Western New York that owned a bunch of, you know, small department stores. Five, over, overgrown five and dimes is all they really were. But they had, oh, a little electronics department, no big TVs, but radios. They used to sell radios. Remember that? Can't find that much anymore. And small little tiny TV sets and little tape recorders and stuff, car stereo stuff. They had that along with clothing and all the typical sundries you'd find in a small department store. It's kind of like a poor man's Kmart was the best way to describe it. Because Kmart was like the wow store by comparison. I got a job one year starting in November to be a stock boy before Christmas. And I was proud of my dollar and 65 cents an hour job. I showed up to work always 10 or 15 minutes early to be ready to go to work. And if I saw something that needed to be done, I just did it. I didn't have to be told, can you clean up that mess and I'll... No, I just did it. I knew that I was hired only to be temporary help until Christmas. And I can remember it was getting really close to Christmas and the store manager saw me and he came up. He said, he goes, Robert, that's what everybody called me back then um, because that was what was on my paperwork. Even though everyone else, my my kid friends knew me as Bob, he goes, he said, Robert, he said, what do you, you want to hang on for a little longer after Christmas? I I said, yeah, I'd like that. He said, I like your work ethic. I like the fact you don't need a lot of instruction. I like the fact that you are not a problem employee. And honestly, he said, I wish my budget would allow me to keep you permanently, but I can get you at least two or three more months instead of the two months you had. Well, that worked out well. It got me a job at then an electrical store where that sold outlets and breaker boxes and stuff like that. And I had that job until the day I got the job at the radio station. Take pride in what you do. Now, here's the kicker. We are told in the scripture to do everything as if we are doing it unto God. That can be a hard one, especially when you've had some of the people that I've had the pleasure of working for a few times. It's hard to do that kind of work for somebody else, but they are paying the freight. And as long as they're paying the freight, you do your job honorably and you do it without putting reproach to yourself, your job, or your faith. And if you don't don't belong there, you just know the time has come to move on and give at least two weeks' notice. You know, which a lot of people don't anymore. They just, ah, I don't like it. Out the door. I know there are probably times that that kind of a walkout is necessary. I get it. There are those times. But we, as Christians, whether we're in the workforce or retired, should do whatever we do, whether it's in the community, whether it's for a food bank, food kitchen, Whatever it is that we do, do it as if God is our boss and we're answering to him. It's sad that many stores and many places will be 
busy today working and, in essence, dishonoring the whole purpose of this day. The one day a year we actually honor work, we don't much honor work anymore. Last thought. A friend of mine lives in Bradenton, Florida, was a member of the church that I pastored in Sarasota for a number of years. And he had a posting he put on his Facebook page, a picture he took yesterday on his cell phone in the Sam's Club in Bradenton, where all the Christmas stuff is out. The whole thing, they transformed it overnight. (laughs) The whole thing that used to be the barbecue grills and all that, it's now Christmas Town. I'm going, four months now. <laughs> we have to deal with this. Four months. Maybe if there's any takeaway to a message like what I'm trying to give today, from a biblical perspective, maybe the world doesn't honor the things that should be honored. Maybe many people don't care about that anymore because it's all about what they get, what they make, not what they give, and not what's done in a fair exchange. Notice, fair exchange. We as Christians, in what we do, need to set an example. Not easy. And the final takeaway point today is to recognize we as Christians have more than just our, for lack of a better term, our day job. We have our obligation to our family, our church, our God, and our community in how we live and act with each other, how we do our job. I could guess it, company that is taking care of I, I, I'm not able to cut part of our yard because it's so steep on a hill and where my health has been the last year me trying to ride that mower and not fall we've already had a couple of close calls you know with that thing with me on it we had to get someone to cut that hill and when the guy came by to give me the quote very very reasonable you could tell there was something different about him and the way he did business from a lot of people that I've met over the years. I noticed one thing because they've been doing some other yards around us. The same people have been working for this same guy for quite a long time, which tells me that he treats his employees well. His equipment is excellent. And his staff speaks highly of the guy that owns the company. And it didn't take long to figure out he's a fellow believer in Christ. And he runs his company and treats his employees as God would have him to do it. It shows. It shows in their work, their work ethic. And they finish the job. And I have zero complaints. All I have is praise for the work that they do. Hard to find that in this environment. As we grow as a church and we grow in Christ together, I want us to be about the work of this church too. Maybe it's time to 
share on how we can best share our faith, our witness. I know it's not easy for a lot of people to invite somebody to a place like this, you know, especially if you've never learned how to do it. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. Heavenly Father, I want to take a moment now to thank you for this time that we've had today here in your house. And Lord, I'm thankful for all the things that you have given this little church, how you bless it each and every week and sustain it. Lord, we pray for all that are here that whatever needs anybody has this this day and this week that you meet it, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, whatever that need, Lord, may you reach and touch into those families. Lord, for the work that we do, Give us the strength to do the work that we do for you and also the ability to be a testimony for you in the public workplace as well. Lord, for the sins that we've committed, we ask your forgiveness for the things we should have done that we left undone. Lord, in your mercy, forgive us of our sins. And Lord, let us come anew in this week to be true representatives of you and your children. For this we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman.
is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. There truly is a lot of work to be done in God's kingdom in these very, very strange times. I'll be sharing a number of stories next week and in the weeks ahead that dig down deep and expose to you some of the real evil that is going on in our schools, in our governments, not just in the United States, but around the world. And how the spirit of Antichrist is is present and up to his old tricks. There's nothing new under the sun. But we need to be prepared for what is to come. And this is one of the things that I want you to understand as I look at this radio program and the opportunity to expand. I would like to maybe add a weekend airing strictly dealing with matters of the church and purely matters of faith. I would like to take the radio program, the Monday through Friday in particular, and I would like to see that particular radio program change its character a little bit, add some other voices to help me with the news and analysis so I can spend more time helping you understand it in the light and the truth of God's Word. That's the most important thing I can do. There are plenty of programs out there that can tell you what's wrong with the world. You can find them on television. You can find it on satellite. You can find it on cable. You can find it online as long as the tech tyrants allow it to be out there. You can find it in numerous podcasts that look at the secular world from a secular and conservative point of view, but not necessarily one inspired by the, the light of God's word. And that's why I want this program to be so much different. I'm thankful for the places we can be heard, but I really need the help. We have an opportunity and decision time is here. Will you stand with us? You can go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. That's truththenumber2ponder.com. You can use Give, Send, Go from the support tab. Give, Send, Go at the support tab to keep us on the air. You can also use a check or money order made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319 in the United States. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.